1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to miami nice's detour to tokyo with tokyo nice i am blake howard and i am happier than a jake adelstein at a dance party that i can see my co-host again katie walsh oh my goodness it's so good to Uh, see
0: uh, you uh, it's so good to (laughs) see you too
1: um we're back
0: up in the club
1: oh we're back up in the club and the needle (laughs) drops get so heavy this we are talking about (laughs) episode six the information business of tokyo vice this one if you haven't seen it is directed again by our boy joseph Kubota Vladika, who we talked about for episodes two and three kishi kesai and read the air and it's written by jessica brickman this one was released on the 21st of april so if you are just catching up we'll kind of set the scene where we're up to and then we will dive into all things tokyo Bye. vice so after a near miss assassination of the head of the chiari kai uh sato is dispatched by his Oyoban. Uh, To target the Tozawa clan where it hurts, their drug shipments. While Sam wrestles with a blackmail that jeopardizes her life in Japan, Jake follows a Yakuza fan magazine before getting a tip-off that may be too good to be true. So... The end of five is such a freaking cliffhanger. It's like the action centerpiece of the whole show so far, Katie. And then we come back and it's only a couple of days later and these guys are licking their wounds, but they're just back to business. It's such yeah. a great, like we are straight back into the mix. And it's a couple of weird little time jumps, which we're gonna talk about in the next couple of episodes. But this one, like I thought, oh, it's gotta be months before these guys recover. And I was like, no, it's a day. Here we go, let's get started. <laughs>
0: wait can I just take a little detour for a second (laughs) on the time jump so I had dm'd you this on Twitter when I was watching someone is watching on my HBO Max account I have because someone (laughs) is watching the episodes they were watching them before me because I I I was not watching them on the screener but so some it was like resume watching or it was like Ah. your next episode on HBO Max so I click okay your next episode so I'm watching and I'm like they're like the plane the the drug raid the like um Sato and and um Sam are kind of in like a the doldrums of their relationship and i'm like wow they really jumped ahead like 6 months in this series <laughs> and then i'm like this is episode 7 and i have not watched episode 6 <laughs> so i really did think there was like a huge time jump but no, you're right, it's only a day or it's so. It's only a day. After, so then I went back and was like, okay, we, we're we're in the in the the timeline now. I now know what the plane and the drug rate is and all this stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, that was fun. It's like when like a reel gets out of place in the projection <laughs> and you're like, what the hell's going on? Um, they used to show movies on reels anyway. And
1: if you're old enough like I am, when your parents used to tape movies off of the television onto your VHS player, like that oh, still yeah. sometimes had ads in them. There was a whole like 10 minute section of The Return of the Jedi that I never saw until I went to the movies in like 1999. <laughs> and I was in like in the re-release? In the re-release? <laughs> I was like, "Wait. What? I'd watched this movie like 300 times on VHS as a kid." And I'm like,
0: "Wait, why was it because someone it? just like forgot to press? Someone pressed
1: unpause, like some after an ad break. Like some of it had like ads. Some of it like someone was doing a really. It's amazing. Job. You're
0: like I don't remember this part. <laughs> Is this an extended
1: theme <laughs> <laughs> Like people who'd seen it at the theater, are like no. What's wrong with you? Anyway, fun times for VHS people or people who yeah. actually use physical media.
0: <laughs> yeah, remember that.
1: Oh, anyway,
0: man. yeah. So they are picking up right after right after this brutal bloodbath um it's interesting i mean i think just overall like you know not to get into the nitty-gritty of it but i think episode six and seven like Vladika once again sort of gets like here do the information kid like you have to he has to slog through (laughs) so much character work and plot work and getting in the weeds with um the internecine conflicts between Tozawa and Jihari Kai and the newspaper and um, Katagiri and Miyamoto and all these things that are going on. And then you get to the finale, which is kind of like the emotional payoff of all of these things, but like, man, he's got a tall order and to sort of churn through all of this exposition and plot in two episodes.
1: I think he does a brilliant job. I think this is his best episodes, episode six, because I, I agree. We have this action set piece hikari does it it's frenetic it's crazy the camera is all over the place it's so freaking outstanding it's one of the best things and we'll get to our favorite scenes in this episode but he really like it takes a while to get in and it almost feels and i love how they've done this i don't know if they've done this intentionally or whatever but like we talk about jake who obviously is the main you know one of the main characters and sam's one of the main characters but i feel like sato kind of always is burdened with the line that encapsulates the entire episode like what it, like like what what's happening here and it feels like like it comes up in episodes, um, it comes up in episode seven, which we'll get to, but here it's like everyone is doing the thing that they think is right for themselves in this moment. And they are getting it catastrophically wrong in this episode, like everyone (laughs) is doing it, is going, this is the right thing, I should do it. I'm empowered with this information and that, you know, hence the information business. "I'm, I'm empowered with this information. I should make this call. I should do this thing. And every one of them leads to a really, really dark path that is probably, even though there's people telling them, no, this is a bad idea. No, you shouldn't do that. No, you should wait. No, you should not do this. Everyone gets led down a dark path. And I love that. It's six and seven really hum together in a beautiful kind of synergistic way. But this episode, it is just watching people have be presented with something on a platter or or getting that you know that gift you know beware (laughs) don't look a gift horse in the mouth sort of thing is the episode theme for me it's like Mm -hmm. everyone gets something that is too good to be true and it always is it's too good to be true Um, yeah and so let's let's go through some of the sequence of events so we get jake first off um finds a lead with this drug addict fan magazine weirdo yeah that guy's weird as hell absolutely (laughs) weird
0: and, like, I do love how they sprinkle in these, like, little cultural things, like, that we would not, if, you know, if you're a Western watcher, you, I, I have no idea there are Yakuza fan magazines. And so it's just, like, so cool to see that incorporated into the plot um, like this and to just immerse us into this world, you know.
1: And it's almost like when you go into a news agent if you ever still do for any reason, and you're like, you see, you know, fishing and camping monthly. And there's like a, la- a, a lady with a bikini on the front and you're like, this exists. <laughs> like they canceled empire magazine, Australia. Are you telling me that this magazine gets more subscribers than empire magazine? <laughs> you just can't believe hey, it. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie's like, Blake, the fishing and camping people are a strong.
0: They're print media, print enthusiasts. Print media enthusiasts. Bless your hearts.
1: Bless your heart. Yeah. Um, so we get this and then uh, in true Jake fashion through this like weird paranoid, like conspiracy theorist kind of guy who's claiming that he's writing a book, which I think is almost like par of the course for every conspiracy theorist. He stumbles mm-hmm. onto a potential in with Tozawa, which is that Tozawa has mistresses. There have been mistresses that have attempted to go to the press and they have gone missing. And, Again, empowered with this information Ansel so as Jake decides, why don't I try and get one of the, what me as a junior reporter at the Metro? why don't I try and turn one of these ladies, even though they know the consequences <laughs> of being turned is their death.
0: And I mean, yeah, Jake is like, he's not gonna ever not shoot his shot.
1: No, no
0: even if he's doing it so oh, spe- poorly especially
1: in episode seven he shoots his shot and it was disgusting I, I'm just i just like we have to get to that in the next episode
0: oh my god but, but, we're traumatized oh,
1: big time but um but, so yeah he he does seem to just go down these paths and you're like oh my god yeah um my favorite scene of the whole episode basically comes not too far after that which is I, I call it like the Yakuza mediation We've got both sides, east and west, and yeah. things. And I think it's really where Vladika like shines as a director as well. Tazawa is coming to apologize um, to Chiari Kai and uh, the Oyabun of the Chiari Kai for his attempted murder <laughs> because they've agreed that they're not allowed to do that. And I think right. so, so. It's such a beautifully restrained scene. It uses frames in such a great way. It shows how isolated. To zawa is and he's been this big powerful imposing figure even though we've kind of seen that contrast of him like having to get these shots and to be to maintain his health but you see like nine guys or ten guys on one side and he's on the other side with his mediator and he's just having to suck eggs to this whole crew of people and I just every beat every choice of a close-up on the mediators every mm-hmm. choice of the the tension the way that jerich oyaban like the big Big boss is holding himself even though he's basically nearly been dead an episode before. I just that right. whole scene, Katie, that just blew my mind. It was such a phenomenal scene. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I love I'm just looking up the um name of the actor who plays Tozawa because he is just like he just really maintains this Simmering, like he just looks like he's gonna explode at mm-hmm. all times, mm-hmm. yes. And, um, I just you know, especially in that scene where he has to, I- um, Ayumi his, Taneda, I- yeah, that I mean, his face is incredible. I also love that they just constantly show him naked because he's covered in those tattoos.
1: <laughs> They're like, Do you know how many hours it takes like, to get these tattoos again? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, he. You know, he, his performance as Tozawa, I mean, in that scene, he has to just like suck it up and hand over the money and just, you know, you know, he's ambitious and he, you know, it, he's got all of these things roiling inside of him, his health issues, his um, relationship issues, his desire to, you know, be more and, you know, he's not really beholden to the sort of gentlemanly code that Ishida um, follows or you know has chosen not to and so i just think his sort of the way he sort of simmers and boils and roils with his emotions is is really remarkable and compelling to watch and he's and he's just such an impressive force on screen
1: and it gives finally it gives Vladikir like a chance to actually uh do the same like do the scene with some style because as you said the burden of all the information and exposition and these are kind of the expository episodes before we lead up it seems like it goes expository episode expository episode and then a bunch of stuff happens and then kind of an expository episode and here it's mm-hmm. like this is where all the style is because there's just there's nothing on the page as far as dialogue it's so minimalistic but it's just like this scene is then stretched out to just be this amplification of all these emotions and tension and the whole time you think that tozawa is this lone gun who is just like blustering into town and, you know, kicking down all the establishment and you see all these guys. And the great thing about him as a f- presence, as a figure, the way that he dresses is he kind of looks better than everyone across the table, right? He looks cooler. Yeah. A little bit younger, more stylish. And then, um, uh, you know, Ishida, uh, Shun is a little bit older of grayer, you know, he's, he, he's kind of lost a step. He feels like the Tozawa of that gang, but this is where we get some hints that, west so outside of tokyo um is trying to muscle its way into the city and he's just a soldier he's he's been dispatched mm. i gave mm-hmm. you the task to come in here and muscle uh, stop messing up you know i would have rather right. apologized that we killed ashita um and pushed you into this group so that you're on the other side of the table rather than us having to apologize but you know it is what it is so mm-hmm. yeah ver- very um, some very good stuff in this early episode. And I think if we're talking about like what some of my favorite scenes in the whole, in the whole series, I think that one is one of my faves. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, Jake is the worst stalker in Tokyo. Can we just say that? (laughs) Cause
0: he's such, he's a fucking giant. I know. (laughs) And
1: and he's a guy, Jin. He's a big white dude who's so gangly and he's trying to follow around like slick, sophisticated Japanese women and they're like I see you looking at me dude like totally yeah what this, yeah What
0: are <laughs> we doing you doing in the store yeah Um yeah he it's funny because you know I obviously in the first episode Michael mann really establishes him as this presence uh this outsider this um sticking out like a sore thumb and then so that's what we're taking with us. And also the way people react to him and all of that stuff. But he's still trying to be like undercover kind of. He's no Sonny Crockett. Let's no. just say that. <laughs> but um, yeah, but, you know, sometimes he like weaponizes his uh outsiderness really well. And uh, other times, you know, like when he goes to see the yakuza magazine guy and he's just like i'm a big fan or you know (laughs) when he goes to the the lone shark and he's pretending to be sort of like bumbling white guy um so it's like when he is you know he has to lean into it in order for it to like read but anytime he's you know eyeing someone in the club or in the store it's like come on man
1: (laughs) when you're when you're actually trying to be cool it's the biggest colossal failure in your acts right now it's just (laughs) but but it kind of totally works But yeah, so he's, you know, you can, you can tell that in this he's, they're at least manipulating and playing with that because like everyone's strengths in this episode, I feel like becomes their weakness. Right. At some point, it's like everyone's strengths are called into question and that becomes their weakness. Now, this is where we get a little digression finally into the awesome Polina. So Ella Rump's character Mm -hmm. where she goes off and we've been seeing this on the fringes but this is the kind of establishment of these i don't know how to describe them except for this second tier shitbag pretty boy exploitative
0: it's the same thing that she does they're yes. like they're like a hostess oh. thing where um they what they do is they get women to come in and buy them drinks and the, you know the, all the hosts are making commission off the drinks so they're like buy me champagne da, da 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 like they're like they're basically pretty boys who are like come hang out with me and we'll ha- we'll we'll you know chill you know they they make you feel good they're they're basically what paulina and sam do
1: but this is the thing so that's what's even more tragic about it than katie is that like how does she get Honey dicked by the same act I that know. she puts on every night. It's really I sad because
0: just... she's like, this date is. She thinks Akira is her boyfriend. Yes, and then he's just using her basically. Um, and this is the scene where she gets. And she, and she totally bought in that
1: armadillo tie. That was for him. I don't know. That was that for another guy? Might have been for another client or something okay. like that. Sorry, <laughs> no, that's certainly okay. wasn't wearing um... it in this episode. <laughs> fucking akira is the worst <laughs> he is um, all those guys i was like i hate i hate these guys i hate these <laughs> i hate these pretty boys i'm like what is the attraction what is the attraction
0: i don't know it's like the, it's like um i don't know bts fandom <laughs> has got to tie into this somehow something <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pro- she was like a a, a a an original adopter of yeah. everything in the I'm, Tokyo boy band scene in the late. 90s.
0: I'm afraid to any to say anything about BTS. The army's going to come after me.
1: We just <laughs> meant behind the scenes. I don't know what you're talking about, Katie. We didn't. We we have not called on the ire of BTS fans. <laughs> Bless you. We're never going to yuck your yum. We don't get it. We hate these characters. They're to- They're from Tokyo, so they're Japanese. Yeah, we're not talking no, about no. Koreans. No, we we're hate not. These but Tokyo it's the pretty same boys.
0: idea of these pretty boys who are young and youthful seeming and like they appeal to women who want that attention and that that prettiness but yeah
1: you know speaking right now looking at you seeing my face on the screen i'm like <laughs> i was never going to be one of those pretty boys <laughs> i wouldn't get recruited they're like no nah, no nah, it's not for you my friend. It's, it's, not, it's not for you um the then the biggest turn of the episode i think um for me was Actually, Ishida having the information from the mechanic, Sato getting the information from a mechanic that reveals Tozawa's way that he's getting in money. He's getting in meth into Tokyo. Shibu, they call it in the show. He's getting meth in. He's smuggling in through a route. They discover it and Ishida gives the information to Jake, and that's what kind of gets us to the name of our episode. Whereas we're in the information business, we're so alike, you and I. And Ishida and Jake really could not be any less alike, but it sort of goes to Jake's naivete that he's being manipulated. And he kind of knows he's being manipulated, but he follows the information anyway. So Ishida gives him the information because he wants to start hitting Tazar where the money is, and that's ultimately where it's gonna hurt. And he gives Jake this big scoop that, this is a shipment coming in, if you catch him, it's basically going to ruin him because it's one of those undeniable things that the major must report on. And the police, if they find the drugs themselves, like it feels like the murder and the potential violence is much more of a peacekeeping activity with the police. But when the drugs come into it, it's like something that's so undeniable that like it really will hit him and it really will talk neg- negatively to him because in Japanese culture, you know, that the, the, the drug culture is looked down upon so much. And so then it becomes it becomes this thing like, what do I do with this information? So the episode then kind of branches off into two key parts. One is Jake trying to convince Katagiri, talking to Amy, uh, Amy Rinkikuchi, um, and then eventually talking to um, Miyamoto um, Hideaki Ito about giving him this information, trying to get the scoop, trying to write a story that's going to be impactful. And at the same time, Sam and Sato's relationship is growing, and Sam tells Sato about what we talked about in the last episode, which is... Being bribed and blackmailed to the point that she is now having, and what is revealed in this episode, like a sexual bargain to get out of this blackmail, to have her exported from Japan. So it is a right. crazy couple of things that happen towards the end of this episode. And then we basically watch these two dominoes get clicked and start watching everything cascade to the end of the episode.
0: Right. It's like, it's interesting because, you know, you have the Chihari Kai who are like using Jake. As their little messenger, and knowing that he has an end to Katagiri, and you know, is very um restrained and takes things slow and doesn't want to rock the boat, and then but Jake is a fucking golden retriever and he <laughs> can't, you know, he's just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's Squirrel. do the thing, let's do the Yes, exactly. So, you know, he's kind of messy, and he's yeah. just, you know spreading his information all over the place and that obviously in this episode is when it you know culminates with this you know raid this drug raid at the airport where they're like going in and and he's got his camera and there's nothing there well, so and, you think. <laughs> right but like that's what the that's you that's know,
1: jake's impression of what happens there is nothing right there. that's
0: that's what they you know that's what they think is you know that's what he is uh led to believe and and but you know and it's it's just it, it's just what you I think this I love the title of this episode because it's like what you do with information how you use information to manipulate situations you know when you uh you know the timing of information the um you know it's just all of the size so scope skate like timing scale of information it's like and and the way it's sort of like pliable and manipulative, and like you can kind of—I don't—I just think it's really interesting the the way that they uh, uh, use that in this world and in this and in this series, <clears throat> you know. So I, and this obviously is like the one of the episodes where it's like the most clear that that's what's going on. But I think it's the whole series is this. But it's like police, newspapers, and then this seedy underground that they um get involved in and and it's yeah it's just i i don't know i think it's really interesting but yeah
1: and so when we talk about the the bust the bust literally goes bust no drugs are found the major write up the story that the police have screwed up jake burns a whole bunch of connections that he has with the police whether it's miyamoto or katagiri he almost burns some stuff with emmy because he won't. He doesn't want to write the story, right? That actually outlines that there was a mess up because he knows that he's the one that instigated the mess up, and then we f- finally see that the most attractive man in this show, Hideaki Ito's Miyamoto, is in fact a double agent. That dun, is dun, in the dun. show. Dun, dun, dun. He's a double agent for Tezawa. We finally find out that that's the case. His name, Adelstein's name, gets into Tezawa's mouth properly for the first time in the show, which is the culminating fact. And On the flip side It's happening Right in parallel Sato and Sam Have a beautiful moment Sato They're sharing moments About their past together They're sharing mm-hmm. All this information The intimacy is growing And growing Sato even makes her A beautiful omelette In her In her oh, like Bachelor I love had. that
0: scene
1: Sensational Intimate scene Even more intimate Than any of the love making. It's this beautiful omelette And chopped with such precision And fed to one another And it's just this gorgeous scene And In In The kind of brutality for Jake that he has to, now they have to write a story that the police stuffed up when he gave the bad tip um, and ruins connections with Sato and all these sorts of things. The flip side is now she's given Sato the information about this person who's blackmailing her and Mm -hmm. he's only got one thing to do with that information. And he's put between a rock and a hard place and he uses a rock to bash a man's skull in <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and by the end of the episode we have Sato annoyed with Sam because Sam is like what did you do and he's like exactly what you what I do you tell me this right. information this is what I'm going to exactly. do exactly yeah and and Jake and at that time Sato's so in a quandary about what he did for Sam that when Jake comes in all hot and bothered, like he feels like he just got burned by his source. Um, there's a huge conflict, a public one, and then everyone breaks up and it's just like, we don't know how the pieces are going to get put back together. And um, yeah, so I I had such a, a fantastic, a fantastic time in the way that this episode rolled up. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think... I think all of the acting was really phenomenal and they had so much heavy lifting to do and I think it just did such a great job to actually like progress the episode where it needs to go because then Seven becomes one of the better episodes of the series because they're having to reconcile and have consequences and deal with and emote all those things and convey all the emotions of like trying to fix all the issues that they've now created with this epic, this epic moment. Now I've been saving the best for last. We haven't talked about one of the scenes yet. but. Ella Rump's Paulina gets absolutely legless at the Akira Club with all these pretty boys, and it is just this is one of the other stylistically fantastic scenes right. of the whole show. It, yeah, and, and I wanted to it, talk to you about it because I know how much she's your girl, and she was just fantastic in this. Scene.
0: Oh, Ella, I love her so much. Yeah, it's a really tragic scene because uh, she's getting shitfaced with yeah. her shitty boyfriend and they're taking advantage of her in the sense that they're taking advantage of her financially so they're saying she's ordering a magnum she's ordering a don julio <laughs> whatever i can't i don't think that she orders don julio but they're ordering there, she's absolutely faced, and they're ordering on her tab all this really expensive liquor which is just putting her into debt to this club which is you know this whole series you know as we come you know to the end of it we realize that everything's about information and everything is about who you're in debt to and obviously we started out with debts as you know as the driving force of these stories but you you see just how much it underpins the entire social society here and um or at least the stories that we're following and you know i yeah i just love ella rumpf so much i think she is like uh really special actress but yeah the scene is dev it was devastating to me
1: <laughs> it lo- it's devastating because she starts out like she starts out so hurt that she re- she's realized what's going on and then she tries to get lost in the fun like i'm just going to try and make the best of it and so right. it flows and flows and flows and it's kinetic and it's moving and the camera's moving and changing oh my- angles yeah. and it's just like so dynamic and then The dawning, it's like almost like cutting through the inebriation is like, no, the realization is still there. Like it just, it actually just opens the wound even more. And it's like, I'm out of control. These guys are living their best life and I'm just being used again right? and again and again. And that sort of devastating her, like tipping over, um, in that moment and losing control before she sort of regains her composure is devastating. It's like, just shatters you completely
0: and yeah and the stylistic you know the aesthetic approach really does lend to that out of control feeling That sort of like being sucked down yes. feeling you know it's a very visceral of like you can feel how out of control and drunk and like not in her senses but like that one little piece you know if you've ever been there
1: <laughs>
0: of sense that's still there you know it really is a visceral evocative representation of that so
1: there is a moment that you have in your life sometimes where you've had too many drinks, and you can make this call to yourself internally. You're like, "It's time to go," you know. You just make that call. Yeah. You're like, "I'm, I'm out of here," and that's the. Yeah. Uh, in Australian parlance, we call it a smoke bomb. I'm not sure if you say this, Katie, but you just don't say goodbye to anyone. You just get out of there. And um, and, we call it the, an
0: Irish exit.
1: <clears throat> Irish exit. Well, yes. You look, bless your hearts, you're my Irish brethren. <laughs> But for I mean, us,
0: I'm Irish. I'm like, yeah, it's a no. Me Irish too. Accident.
1: Half half Irish. You just get the hell out of it. But no, I I just you know the smoke bomb is like you usually just I've just got to go to the bathroom and then you just leave. You like get in an Uber and you get oh taken home. I
0: used to do that all the time in my 20s when I lived in New York. I would do that constantly because it was way easier to do in New York because you could just hop on Jump the subway or hop in a taxi. Yep. But it's harder to do in LA.
1: <laughs> harder to do in LA. In Sydney, still, if you're like close to the city, that it's very easy to smoke bomb as long as you're like you're pretty close to a train line and and mm-hmm. i am i'm in like sort of southwestern sydney and so like if you're in the middle of the city and you're having a your, your night is getting too hectic and you and you go to the bathroom you look yourself in the mirror and you don't feel like yourself you're like okay it's time and you just like <laughs> you just walk out the back door and you just leave you don't say goodbye to Amazing. anyone you just go and then when you're like three quarters of the way home or you're off your train at your station you're like hey everyone i'm out and they're like what <laughs> i thought you went to the bathroom like 20 minutes ago and you're like no i'm i'm off you're I'm like home. i'm at home, I'm home. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things. If
0: only, if only Paulina had smoke bombed. If only,
1: if only. Listen, she's
0: like trapped. It's like the scene. The scene is so uncomfortable because you feel how trapped she is with these horrible people.
1: And this is what we've learned. Maybe the you know, maybe a Blake of the past, like a hairy bearded guy at the bar who's like smoke bombing. She could have tagged, I could have shared an Uber with her, you know, Uber, what is it? Uber pool could have Uber pooled together to get the hell out of that club with all these dirty, pretty boys that are all there just like exploiting her. It's the worst thing ever. But yeah, look, I think she's fantastic and and, and it hands off so beautifully to the beginning of the next episode, which we're gonna talk about. And this is
0: also in the top of this episode is the scene where she takes Jake to the shrine.
1: No. That was
0: in episode five? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm getting confused. Okay. I I was
1: too. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. But, no, we've followed Polina for a number of episodes. Like, she had the shrine piece with Jake, which is fantastic. She's like, I'm not going to sleep with you. See you later. And I
0: love that scene, yeah.
1: Fantastic. And then this, you know, we've seen her interacting, and she was worried about Sam preliminarily because the earlier parts of the episode, Sam was, like, reeling from the realization of the blackmail before she kind of confronts it head on and then eventually talks to Sato about what has been negotiated. But this scene, she really gets to shine. It's such – it's like – one of the nice digressions that is like a microcosm of what's happening in the rest of the episode just happens with her and we get to follow right. an individual character's experience. I think that's one thing that's a real strength for the show it, and and casting Ella Rumpf as that character makes you just keep wanting to watch Ella Rumpf in every scene that she's in because mm-hmm. she's so magnetic. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a banger. Now, we're going to roll... Uh, uh, we're going to take a break um, because we're going to do this as a double episode. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into everything... Tokyo Vice Episode 7 Sometimes they disappear Don't you disappear We'll be back To talk about it In just a moment Welcome back to Tokyo Nice. This second part of our Miami Nice detour into Tokyo. Um, For this episode, we're diving into Joseph Kubota, Vladikas Sometimes they disappear. Um, We've done a couple of double episodes now. We did a double Hikari episode for I Want It That Way and Everybody Pays. Mm -hmm. The information business and now sometimes they disappear. Um, We'll do one final big bang episode um, for the last episode, Yoshino episode eight. Uh, Before we get back to our regular Miami-based... flirtatious (laughs) and horny bonfire uh regular programming um so i think we should it's going to be
0: fun to slip into the humidity of miami i'm so excited i'm so excited (laughs) we have a lot of fun stuff to do
1: we've got okay just before we get into the tokyo nice of it all we've got some of our guests and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read some of this out so i I make sure I, i i tell you guys so we've got an amazing like deconstruction um of uh, a whole bunch of other drafts and things like that um of the original endings and and we've actually got one of our listeners ck who's done some deep dives on it for us like an insider has sent us a whole bunch of recordings so we've got that we episode have the dossier. We, we have, have a do- the dossier we have a full dossier uh chris carr who's a director from the uk Reached out, Katie, and this is the first time I'm telling you this. Mm -hmm. Robert Mazur, who is an undercover tech advisor on Miami Vice, has actually spoken to Chris Carr. And he has put me in touch with how to get in touch with him for the show. So (laughs) we've potentially undercover tech advisor coming on. Oh, mg <laughs> omg right again this is the greatness of this show because our guests like uh, 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 our, listeners, <laughs> our listeners give us our guests they're like you need to yeah. talk to these people we we trust you to do it and, and we feel so yes. proud that that's the case and then finally one of the guests that i've been like the one of the crown jewels of this show that we've just been waiting for the right time and waiting for an opportunity to talk to someone who truly can say that right from the second that Miami Vice was released, that they got it. Not only did they get it, they named it in their top 10 movies of that year. They wrote one of the, you know, phenomenal reviews of the film. That person, I think, maybe the greatest living film critic, Manola Dargas, is going to be coming onto the show eventually as well I'm so trying thank you to do
0: applause <laughs> i'm going to put
1: an applause in there yeah. after that i'm going to put an applause. um but but love manola manolas this is so amazing so we're looking forward to all of that but we've got a couple of big miami vice returning focused episodes yeah, we'll which be we're back. really excited we're excited
0: yeah okay so back to tokyo though we're let's get back jake. to jake to- we're yeah, with let- the the busted airplane raid Paulina's gone. What's it, what else is going on? Yeah. That guy got killed. <laughs> the evil guy got killed. <laughs>
1: so an airport mechanic is murdered and found by Katagiri. And when that happens, Katagiri gets the inclination that maybe the bus that went bust actually was a cover-up. So Katagiri yep. works with his trusted vice sergeant to set a trap for a mole that he feels is inside the Tokyo Vice Department. Polina looks like she's gonna escape, has one of the greatest needle drop moments in the entire show, the uh, Japanese version of Kiss Me for all you Dawson's Creek fans out there. So and good. It, it looks like she may be getting away from these absolute pretty boy shitbags bags that she's been surrounding herself with, but unfortunately for Polina and for Jake and for Sam and for Emmy, and for Sato, there are a whole bunch of consequences and figures if you like from their past that sometimes have to hold up a mirror to who they are right now in this moment um so we have jumped forward speaking of type jumps we've jumped forward in time a month after the events of the bus that went bust and all of the conflict and so we're now arriving at all the characters at this moment and here we start in Sometimes They Disappear. God, what a title. I actually really love it. I think it's my favorite title of the whole series. Sometimes They Disappear. It's a (laughs) a, a great title. It's a great title.
0: It's very Um, noir. Yeah.
1: Great noir title. Love it. Love it. So, your girl Paulina right at the top of the episode listening to Kiss Me. People are going to be hearing it underneath. It's just so like, oh. Remember Dawson's (laughs) Creek when that was appointment viewing? Um, This is another story from, I used to play Rugby Union. So, it sounds tougher than it really is. But I used to play Rugby Union when I was a kid. And uh, I remember I would go to football training and there'd be a whole bunch of like very mixed group of guys. We had uh, lots of Pacifica guys, you know, Tongan, Fijian, Samoan, etc., Lots of, um, you know, Anglo uh, background people, a couple of like mixed ethnicities such as myself, like I'm Maltese background. There was a young guy who was like half Filipino and this big group of like tough guys with stupid, you know, rugby haircuts, all like getting together and talking on a Thursday night going yeah, it sucks how training sometimes, like, eats into my Dawson's Creek time, you know? So, <laughs> so when I saw this I was over the first time, I, I was having flashbacks to being, like, 15 and thinking I was tough, but really going up to all the tough guys, and they are all talking about how much they couldn't wait to go, you know, watch Dawson's I Creek. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Such good time. So, we start Amazing. this episode, Paulina at the front. This is kind of, this is devastating, now, this episode in reflection, seeing this moment yeah. after everything going on.
0: She's like, she's sitting at an outdoor cafe, a limo pulls up, she's listening to her headphones, and she gets into this limo and just disappears. And, you know, it doesn't seem like a dangerous situation until Sam starts freaking out and can't get a hold of her and is just like, this is not, you know, normal. This is not, you know, what she would do. And so it's like, we only sort of take our cues of like how dangerous the situation is from sam yes because it doesn't seem like it's a bad situation when she gets into the car no you're like oh where is she you know going with some clients or something um
1: and you're like oh she's maybe landed some whale client that can can have her picked up and take and whisked away in a a limousine it's like oh good she she maybe has found a a soul for having these dirtbag boyfriends or something like that, maybe she's found a way out is is kind of the feeling that you're getting. And then as soon as Sam is like ringing her, dialing, 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 and just getting her voicemail over and over again and starting to talk to other friends who have not also heard from her, it's just like, okay, this this is a problem.
0: Right. I just, a quick tangent. This reminds me very much of this very high profile murder that happened, um, where uh, it was a woman named Lucy Blackman. She was an English, an English girl who was working as a hostess in Tokyo. And she was taken by one of her clients to this like remote island and murdered there. And I remember listening. I think I read the true crime book about her, but it was a huge story. So I sort of feel like in a way they're kind of um, that's kind that's lingering in the background for me. This this real story of, of the vulnerability of girls who are not from Japan, who are um working in these clubs that sort of sex work adjacent and um uh you know putting themselves in vulnerable positions they don't have huge support systems you know they are they are each other's support systems
1: and um like you said it's sex work adjacent but then the the grind of the system and the lack of support eventually means that they put themselves in a position to be trafficked to be like to be mm-hmm. in like this crippling debt where they have to take the next step and the leap and once they go into that pool it's like jumping off a deep end and 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 in this moment like oh it should be nice hopefully this is going to all work out and right and immediately it's like oh, nothing's working out in this show like in the nicest possible way no one's no one's having no one's having a great time um lots <laughs> no. of people, lots of people are, are, are going it, down it paths. ends up
0: being quite bleak yes you know i'm sure we'll touch on that um when we when we get to the final episode but you know, right now we're sort of like in this really precarious moment where like things are going down fast. Yeah, (laughs) Things are not going well, but it's like, are we gonna figure this out? And um, you know, they're, they're scrambling to, to, to see what they can do.
1: This, this I like. Um, Sato is we find Sato negotiating uh, in inverted commas at the beginning of the episode, really beating the living crap out of someone and covering them in lighter fluid, and holding a lit cigarette over their head to say, "If you don't sign this contract for Ashita um, uh, and the Shiari Kai, we're going to just burn you alive." And they're like, "Okay, okay, okay." So, good, 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 good negotiating. Negotiating, it. yeah. Negotiating is is kind of what, and, um, and what. One of my favorite the reason i wanted to bring that scene up is because Ishida says something that i think again sato and Ishida seem to just have these great lines in every episode but it's like what what makes you think you could go and negotiate like go and try and get more money from you know the jazawa clan like once you're with us you're with us Mm -hmm. and i was just like oh my god like that's such a that's the whole culture of this series it's like once you're with us you're with us and if you if you go away from that loyalty and that loyalty that underpins everything in the series there's always consequences to that and it's like and sometimes you're a slave to your loyalty and then that takes you down the wrong path because you're doing it for loyalty's sake right and so um so we see Jake trying to reconnect with Katagiri calling him 10,000 times Katagiri's like nope I'm not um I'm not I'm not having it and and then finally um we see our boy uh we see our boy Miyamoto um, who shout out to Maria Lewis. Um, <laughs> yes, who, I'm um,
0: so glad you brought this up. <laughs> is
1: only just discovered the series. Um, we, we, as you talked about before, someone's watching your HBO max that comes from sharing a password. Um, and, <laughs> and Maria and I share the, uh, the prime in Australia, the prime video password, which also has our paramount plus subscription on it. And she was like, oh, I'm, you know, watching. I can go watch our paramount plus. And she's like, oh, Tokyo vice is on here. I should, should I watch it? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, of course absolutely right. i'm not gonna say no and she's like okay mm-hmm. and she's like oh this is a show about journalists I, I am gonna like this and then she's like i watched this show for the plot and it was Hideaki ito a picture of hideyaki ito and she's like this is the plot and just like i kept seeing videos of him on screen uh being shared on twitter and i was like this is this is a good this is a good discovery she's, she's I, definitely I know. Part of the know
0: i saw her um instagram story and she was <laughs> She was like, this is the most attractive person I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was just like sending her so many flame emojis. I was just like, flames, 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 like join our club, join our club.
1: He is a star. So, yeah. He is a star. He is and-
0: so hot. Oh, we love yeah. him.
1: Speaking of Sonny Crockett, he's got some Sonny Crockett energy in this show. Oh, any- he's if-
0: the totally the Sonny Crockett of this show.
1: Big time. time. But he gets resurrected at the beginning of the episode if you like because he goes bust he gets written up in the paper that he's bad they do this really kind of naff press press conference where they're like oh yeah so while uh after he came back from his suspension um he went and found evidence and we've uh, solved the murder thank you very much and then you know, <laughs> right. and Amy's like wait that's all the detail and they're like yep And so he's just back. Like, he's just been grandfathered in. They just want to get him back on the force. They don't want any more controversy. And the way they do it is to, like, plan evidence and solve a murder.
0: And it's the murder that she's been investigating of these women who have been killed, like, by their boyfriends. Yes. And she's trying to uncover this police corruption that they um, are ignoring the warning signs from these abusive
1: boyfriends. Yes. And So she's
0: just like, what the fuck? yeah and she's been That's digging it. too
1: she's been trying to find out what's going on with these boyfriends and digging and digging and trying to push for the story to happen mm-hmm. and after all this work which is now we know is it happened over months it um later in the episode we find out just gets relegated to like the second to last page all of her investigation yeah. yeah and it's a very again one of the disheartening um she's
0: such a Sisyphean character
1: yes oh.
0: she's just rolling that ball up the hill Rolling and rolling.
1: And some of us would say pushing shit uphill is what she's doing constantly. (laughs) Yeah. Pushing shit uphill in this show. And she's tireless. But she's yeah. That's what's so great about her character. She doesn't seem to she's not gonna waver. She's not gonna waver. Yeah. Yeah, she's brilliant. Um and you there's then there's a great scene finally when we're so used to seeing Jake interact with Miyamoto and Emmy goes to interact with him and You can see that she's so much more capable i love when you see different characters interact with other characters in this show and you see like jake because jake's the big puppy dog golden retriever you Mm -hmm. know um dug from up if you like as a a human being (laughs) and he's he's there uh talking to her and she's just like she doesn't buy anything that he says really she kind of like listens to him takes it takes a couple of notes but she looks very skeptical and she's not easily hooked one way or the other but What has been successful is Katagiri's plans to weasel his way and his influence into uh, a little bit of stories and a bit of rumors. Is that Katagiri has now got enough information to take down Tozawa, and he's spread that little rumor out. And then now, Mm. Miyamoto, from his position in Vice, is starting to hear whispers that they have enough information to have a case. And yeah and
0: it's like in an evidence locker or an something evidence locker
1: and it's, yep. it's really just a bait and then then we get a fantastic i think again the show that's made up of different scenes a miyamoto and category interrogation mm-hmm. scene is just Ugh. sublime Sublime, so good it's the yeah. best a be, oh, one of the best of the whole show because you can tell that watanabe's category is just like just p- putting it on a platter for for Miyamoto to take the bait. And it's just fantastic because he does. He takes it hook, line, and sinker. And if
0: we're talking about information and like what I was saying before about the information business and like the when you plant it and how you do it and the way the subtlety or the. And it's like Kanagiri's better at this game than anyone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So when you see the master at work and you are like, you know what he's doing, you're like, this is just chef's kiss sublime watching him plant that
1: trap oh yeah it, it, it's so i mean he's the guy who walked into like an active gunfight and asked someone to light him a cigarette <laughs>
0: yes
1: exactly the fucking coolest man in the whole show um, i
0: know and no one gives him any damn credit except for us <laughs>
1: he's so good um my wife stumbled into me re-watching this and she's like where do i know where do i know him from and i'm like he bought the airline. And she's like, oh yeah, Inception. Okay, gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's the coolest guy ever. Um and, yeah. and so that's that's I guess where it's sort of we build up to that moment. Um uh we, we we build up to that moment um uh very well. But we have to talk about we have to talk about where Jake is at in this episode, where he's almost at his most weird like gordon gecko bad boy bullshit stage of his life and we're introduced to him absolutely i don't want to i don't want to (laughs) well he's off the rails and he's railing shall we say at the beginning of this episode
0: (laughs) i was like whoa (laughs) okay
1: ansel elgort bless your heart my friend but you're the person (laughs) i least want to watch have sex even pretend sex in a show and uh, yeah, so he's found his, he's found his comfort, you know, revisiting this prostitute character that Sato introduced him to in a previous episode. And so he gets a call from Emmy to go and do some investigations and he's... Uh, mid,
0: in, in middle of coitus.
1: In mid coitus. <laughs> Hi, well, this is, this is where you have voicemail for, you know, like you, this is where you send the call to voicemail. Hi, you've reached Jake Adelson, i mid coitus right now. Please leave me a message and I'll get back to you <laughs> right. as, as possible. But the mid-coitus thing is is gross, and uh, we can move on from that very quickly. <laughs> but okay. But he's at an extremely low point, and then he sees his buddy, like a buddy from home, and you really get to see how much Jake has drunk his own bad boy Kool-Aid bullshit, because it's not who right. he is. And by this right. time, when he's cut off from people, he's just living for impulse and id, and he's not trying to, like, go out and dance and have fun. He's just like shagging on the job and not delivering stories on time and half-assing things and when he meets his friend who's still this wide bright-eyed bushy-tailed mate of his who kind of looks like the impression that jake was doing at the uh at the uh yakuza fan magazine house like he (laughs) kind of is that guy it's it shows that he's he's off his path and so he becomes like this reflection for jake for the rest of the episode as we lead through some other events as we're coming up to Mm -hmm. to kind of go you're in way over your head and you're acting completely irresponsibly. And you're going to get, if you don't get hurt, you're going to get other people around you hurt. And I think it's kind of a bit of a road, a road to Damascus moment for Jake, as far as like how he's going to approach the rest of his life in Tokyo and doing what he's doing.
0: I also appreciate the detail in that scene of like where they sort of test each other. He's like, I don't know if this is a hallucination, but then they, he sings him a line from a musical and then Jake sings it back and like, you're like, "Oh, these are just a bunch of theater nerds." And yes. like Jake is not such a like Mr. Yakuza reporter bad boy. He's a musical theater nerd from St. Louis and like that's let's remember that is who yes. we're dealing with. And yes. this kid is like in college. Like they're college age. He's young. He's you know, he's obviously running away from who he was and putting on this persona and and doing it in such an extreme way you know due to whatever reason but you it, you need to have those reminders that that this is who this person actually is
1: yes and um it leads to a wonderful scene where Tazawa sort of confronts his mistress it feels like a moment where tozawa is finally feeling his i don't know like his impending uh demise if you like like he's Mm -hmm. he knows his health is going down he's in the middle of these hostilities with rival gangs and it feels like oh you know what what if i'm what am i going to do when i'm not around and his mistress saying that one day she just hopes to own a house absolutely Gets the reaction from Tozawa of hostility And that you're like waiting for me to die So you can get out of this situation And he just like threatens her life Like immediately And kind of like immediately pushes her away And she's out She's basically out in that moment Mm -hmm. It's a really incredibly tense scene And it's a dark scene And he's so fantastic in it And then it leads to later on in the episode When she's out of favour Being on the dance floor 9pm Till I Come By ATB is in the is on the club and insomnia by faithless um is also on there as well and it is just like it is some real deep cuts early 2000s clubbing beats <laughs> for me. Uh, i'm like but i don't uh,
0: even i couldn't even pull that um those
1: names. Uh, so so uh, uh, oh no i went to look them up because i'm like i've oh, danced okay. to these i've danced to these songs a lot and i just Amazing. need to i need to i need, you need go to go. No, you need to, need to shazam that we didn't have shazam back then so we're we're just like this song rips um and you know so i i just i'm just
0: waiting for them to drop Darude sandstorm when the
1: sandstorm comes
0: (laughs) i can't keep going okay
1: (laughs) and with the beauty of editing you know what's happening we're taking a break to listen to (laughs) some sandstorm
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when that beat drops. You young
1: people will never know. You'll never know. <laughs> and all you old people, you know. Will know. <laughs> you know. Oh, um, my God. So th- then um, there's a couple of other things that are happening before we get before we tie up right. everything that's going on with the mistress. So we also see Sam has made a bunch of progress on her club. but Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, which is shocking, but she's made progress on the club. She's working, obviously the person who was after is now a puddle on a floor. So uh, she doesn't have to worry about him anymore. Um, <laughs> and she's negotiating, but none of the negotiations are working. Nothing's really happening. And she's trying to, now that she's got the club, now she's got the backing, she's trying to break in and it's not quite happening mm-hmm. right now for, for her. And so the things, things are progressing, but the, the where is Paulina question is affecting everything else that she's trying to do
0: right and also we do see that sato has uh we see a moment with his family life yeah um his dad's in the hospital and his mom is basically just like i don't want you here like family only like she's basically disowned him yes and so you know we're seeing these moments of you know we see like kind of like we see jake and where he came from we see sato and where he came from. And it's like, you can't go home anymore. So um, there's a vulnerability to that. Obviously, I think with Jake, you know, it's, it's a little bit more, it's a different kind of vulnerability, I think, with than when what, what we see with Sato, but, um, you know, all of these people are, you know, it raises the stakes for all of them in such a way because they have backed themselves into these corners so in such extreme corners. I mean, Sam. Is burning her old boss. Yes, she is getting into bed, literally with the Yakuza and um, sort of relying on Sato. And we as we will see even more um, and needing him to, you know, help her with the club. But, you know, just in terms of his protection, because she's going to have to pay him and all that stuff. She's going to have to pay to um, Chiari Kai. But, and then Jake is like, you know, putting his entire reputation life on the line. I mean, he kind of has this like pull cord to go back to St. Louis, but it's like, you know, everyone is just, it's a very high stakes situation for everyone involved. And, and it's like this or nothing. Yes. And so, um, you know, we understand the motivation of Sato to continue on this path. And like you said before, once you're in, you're in and like, he has he he can only keep moving forward he cannot go back so it, it's it's sad and and um you know no one has a plan b but it's it's what keeps the you know driving force of this story going you know to the places that it goes to
1: yeah i love it i i, I love those scenes where there's no he said there's no ripcord i just love that because with sato it's not only seeing his family it's that that young sort of misfit recruit as well there's like Mm -hmm. a brief interlude where you see this misfit recruit who's failing just like he did right Sato is like seeing that's where I've gone from this misfit recruit who could still go back to his family and I'm not that guy anymore and Mm -hmm. that triangulation of like that is so perfect and then with Jake it's like that same thing of like I've got this ripcord I've got this friend we can go out and we can go and have fun but the minute that jake goes to that club which is a fantastic scene and it's actually mm-hmm. ansel like dancing in a way that like his body movement doesn't look outlandish he's actually dancing it's like a good you know we at miami nice appreciate a great club scene this is a pretty of good one. people yeah. you know the the beat drops and people put their hands up and dance um as katie did in the middle of the episode <laughs> and um,
0: it's supposed to illustrate you know his friend takes him to this like hilariously lame American gaijin club or bar or whatever and then Jake's like "Mm, let me take you some to someplace cooler so it has to be cool and awesome and sexy and like you know this guy being like whoa I never would have been here before so
1: yeah uh, he he pulls it off he pulls it off he goes downstairs they go into this beautiful club it's so amazing but then the no ripcord moment for Jake is he can't help but go after the mistress he's like Mm -hmm. she is there I can't help it I've got to go and that then drags um, uh, her who she's now out of favor, she's talking to him and you know, there's a little bit of sexual chemistry there. So you can see that, 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 that may just be part of it. Like actually being let off the leash to go and do and pursue whoever she wants. But at the same time, Tazawa's celebrating a birthday. He's there, he's at his most lonely. He's with all these sort of sycophantic people. It feels like he's paid off to be there. And then finally the ramifications of his health issues and stress and all those other things seem to tackle him. And in that moment she's dispatched for to care for him by his, like, main nurse lady. And so when they go and find her talking to these gaijin, like, they just threaten them at knife point. And, like, Jake may have been taken away by, you know, the uh, jihari kai and may have been occasionally threatened by some yakuza, but, like, his kind of green college buddy who's just trying to flirt with a Japanese girl gets a knife on his face and gets a little nick on his face. And it's just, like, you don't realize that there's another person here who you're endangering and
0: and that guy's gonna go back to st louis and be like i went to a bar with joshua Adelstein <laughs> and i got cut on my face by a fucking yakuza and so it, well, he was trying to float Well,
1: he was trying to flirt with the yakuza boss's girl right who, yeah. he was grinding on the dance floor with right oh my god so, so it's like
0: that that you know he might jake might be leading these separate lives or like thinking you know oh i can go back and be josh and it's all going to be fine but it's it's get it's actually going to infect it's going to get over there and he's the two you know personas are going to have to merge
1: and then we get really to the climax of this episode which is sato and sam because sam pushes sato to go and find um well this is sort of the emotional climax and then there's the kind of big mic drop climax but the emotional climax is sato and sam um pushing sato to help her find out where polina is he goes to one of the local clubs and he finds this sort of older lady owner of the club and starts to try and muscle her and she goes i pay you on time and Tazawa's guys are here and they went with her like young girls get into debt see you later and he kind of like she spells out the story and then she also articulates something Probably better than what had happened in a previous episode when the blackmailer basically says the same thing. Like, there's a bigger picture and you're not kind of involved in it, which is, I pay you on time all the time. Your oyoban would say the same thing. These guys are allowed to attend my club, but I'm still yours. I'm still paying my taxes for them to be here. And if some girl, especially some gaijin girl, comes into our club and gets in debt with these guys, it is what it is. Like, they do what they do. And so that's when he has to come outside and say... I can't fix every problem for you i can't find this girl and sam
0: and she's and she's with the with tozawa and that's hugely fucking dangerous and but he's also like i can't rush in there guns blazing we have a truce i'm beholden to ishida like i can't do I can doing
1: muscle i can't go muscle those guys and tell me to give me back a girl because my boss is going to ask me why would i get back just some girl
0: right and he can you know he can obviously murder this you know blackmailer like you said but he can't uh he can't get involved into the, the like web of you know networked organized crime that's going on here he can't go up you know
1: no and blood is on his hands i think this is the thing that we maybe didn't cover as much in the first part of the episode but like the brutality with which he dispatches that blackmailer and, like, bashes his face in, firstly with the physical, with his physical hands and then mm-hmm. with, with whatever that ornament was that kind of destroyed him. It's like, you know that he has this volatility and this violence and, you know, as Ishida said to him earlier, you know, was that your first kill? And he's like, yes. And, you know, he's like, the second gets, e- the, the next ones will be easier. And it shows that he's, like, he's willing to kill, but he's, like, he's now at least... He knows the landscape i can't just go in and kill everyone like that's not how it works Mm -hmm. and in this moment it's kind of unfair because sam's like oh i need you to help me find paulina but he's like i can't just go and kill people she's in trouble with the tozawa clan like i can't fight the whole clan with my fists by myself and so sam does the most probably like reckless and like silly things she just like leaves they get into a fight she goes off to see jake and which is after Jake has attempted to say sorry a couple of times and kind of ruined it colossally. Um, uh, on numerous occasions, she runs back to Jake for help. Um, and we get Jake empathising with Emmy, firstly, that her story hasn't got anywhere. But then the needle drop of the episode is the final part where Miyamoto, late at night in the police department, goes to find Katagiri's apparent dungeon closet uh, secret at office, the behest
0: of to- tozawa tozawa's up. like go get that shit
1: <laughs> go get it i want it all gone and he goes to go find all this evidence that can lock him up and when he gets in there all he discovers is an empty room and a camera and on the other end yep. of that camera is Katagiri staring down the excuse me staring down the barrel looking right at him going i caught you i yep. knew it was you i knew it was yeah you. And, no yeah and, and so We're left at that cliffhanger before we get to the final episode, which is just freaking awesome. And what is so great about Ken Watanabe's face, it's not satisfaction. Mm. It's like, I knew this would happen and I'm really disappointed. It's like like he's resigned. He's resigned. He's like, oh, so this is where we're at. Like their tendrils are now in the police department before we were the peacekeepers, but the only way they can be getting bigger and causing more harm is if people have got, you know, money on the line basically if people are benefiting from them being more successful. So, ah, such a good one. And the needle drops in this episode so far, I mean, we've had a couple of great needle drop episodes, but kiss me by Sixpence none the richer and the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, club tracks, the club tracks. That's just fire. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like this episode is, uh, getting, yeah, getting, getting so fantastic.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, I love. I also love, love, love the way uh, Joseph Vladimklud uses neon. I'm obsessed with the way he uses uh, neon and yeah, streets did. and like it. It's just beautifully shot. I just
1: love it and polina's Paulina's demise in episode six you know she's like when she's doing that it's all red neon and then mm-hmm. in the club it's beautiful neon yeah he's he's really good and i the lighting couple, is just gorgeous a couple of times in my notes katie i've just written location 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 like how mm. amazing mm-hmm. physical tactile locations whether it's the onyx club which they built purpose or just the transitions between different stages and different houses and different alleyways and just like that they feel like they're alive they feel like they're textures they feel like they've got scale um mm-hmm. it's just the uh, the money they put into the production of this show is totally an elevation like they the fact that we get to be in these places walk down these big elaborate ornate stairs into huge clubs and they have scale it's just like it doesn't feel like a really small thing it feels like a living breathing city that they're no part it's of.
0: sprawling and it's it really is capturing the feel of the city in just the littlest ways like just jake going into a store and the items that he picks up and the way he carries a bag or something like that, like, I'm just like, I want to go there and like drink that coffee and carry that bag and like get that, you know what I mean? I want to have that damn omelet. And those, you know, Japanese barbecue, like, I'm just like, it feels so real and tactile and, um, visceral, um, all the time. And the sense of place is beautiful. And I think we're lacking that we're hungering for that so much in movies and TV is a sense of place because it's all green screen usually. So it's like such a treat to be immersed into a world.
1: Yes. And look, before we get to the final episode, Tokyo Vice series two has been announced and I've told Katie, look, we need to get on the blower. We need to get on the phone and start (laughs) talking to the HBO Max people and say two tickets.
0: Two tickets to Tokyo, two please. Two tickets to Tokyo, please. On set for us. <laughs> we can dance
1: with the best of them when Daru drops Sandstorm. We can dance with Jake Adelstein, hands up in the air. We're ready. We are ready for yeah. the assignment. <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> Nice, live from Tokyo. Um, we're ready for season two if they ever want to do that again. We might do another digression, but we, we do have to do this final episode of Tokyo vice yes. series one, and we do have to get back to Miami. Um, so, Katie, this has been so fun talking to you this again. This has been great. Um, we're back. Back. we're back it's so nice to see you um whenever katie talks on other podcasts i feel sad because i'm like i want to <laughs> talk to my friend no i'm just kidding <laughs> oh, i i so i, I, <laughs> I love hearing you on the b-side if you haven't had a chance yet go to the b-side podcast our friends dan and connor over there do a fantastic job i've been on for pakula Katie did an epic episode all about Val Kilmer um, and uh, and it was just so nice to so nice to hear you on that show but we're back with Miami nice um, very soon Tokyo Nice is almost wrapping up and then we've got like I said a stack of episodes a stack of call-ins and some maybe fantastic future guests uh, to bring to you for all things Miami nice and the modern man horny campfire'll we'll be back We'll, we'll be, be as back. we'll be as horny as Ansel <laughs> Elgott was in this episode. <laughs> Yes, we will.